Hello. Hey, how's it going? It is going pretty well. I am a little discombobulated today, but that is sort of a normal state for me, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I'm just lacking in combobulation. All right. Well, we'll see if we can bring combobulation to this podcast episode. So you're going to try to combobulate me? That's what you're saying? Yeah. I'm going to look that up and then I'm going to try to do it. <laughs> well, how are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, I feel like every podcast episode these days has actually begun with, I don't know, life's really hard. And you know what? That's still true. Life is still really hard. And it, it, it was hard again today. But that's real life? In, yes, it is. And in a sense, that's actually what I want to talk about today. Because we are heading into the season of Advent. And Advent, for me evokes this sense of come Lord Jesus. And if there's anything that is an appropriate prayer to pray after another bad day on top of bad weeks, on top of bad months, it is come Lord Jesus, please save this world. And so I want to talk about Advent and the coming of Christ and what Advent means and what it means to anticipate the Lord's arrival. How does that sound? That sounds great. You know, I would love to talk about Advent since it's it's starting up here soon. But even that, I think, is a great thought. I love the idea of talking about Advent, but you're starting from a really, I think, powerful theological place, which is the heart of acknowledging the mess of the world and inviting Jesus into it. That is an awesome place to start Advent conversations. It makes all my initial thoughts about Advent seem somewhat trite. So tell me more about that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a you know, little known secret about me. The song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, captures Advent perfectly for me, because it is this longing. I almost feel like the broken earth itself is crying out, O come, God with us, O come, Emmanuel. And just this passionate cry for God's presence in this world. And I cry every time I sing that, because it is so evocative for me. It captures Advent, the sense of anticipation, the sense of longing for God's presence. So if you want me to tell you more about that, that's what I have. O come, O come, Emmanuel, mm. just captures it. That's so good. I, I love that idea. You know, when I think about Advent, I start off, like I said, in a somewhat trite place. Like I have really... I have wanted Advent to be meaningful to me, and I have tried to make it meaningful, but I have not always succeeded. And I think that, like, let's just wrap the episode and call it a day. Whatever mess <laughs> is going on, let's just make that prayer our Advent prayer, that final prayer 
from the book of Revelation, right? Like, come, Lord Jesus. Yes. And, yes. and to have a, but with the, I, I, the transparency of sometimes I'm a mess. Whatever is real and whatever is happening, come into the middle of that. Yeah, and that is, it's like another favorite Christmas song. It's so funny that I'm starting off this episode with two favorite Christmas songs because I, as a rule, hate Christmas songs. And let me clarify, I was talking to Shelly about this the other day. I love worshipful Christmas songs, but unfortunately, what tends to get played is stuff like Frosty the Snowman and Mariah Carey hits and Santa Baby, and these kinds of things that I understand have a lot of nostalgia, and people love the tradition of them. But for me, they're so far removed from what I celebrate at Christmas and celebrate at Advent, and that longing for come Lord Jesus, that it feels like the wrong note. I explained it this way to Shelley. It was actually the best articulation I have ever had of why I hate Christmas music. Most of it feels like playing Taylor Swift at a funeral. Hmm. It is just the wrong note at the wrong time for me. I want to worship through Christmas music. So O Come, O Come, Emmanuel clearly helps me do that. But then there's also another song Welcome to Our World, and Andrew Peterson sings it. And I think some other artists have covered it as well. But it is literally a song about Jesus coming and wrapping our injured flesh around him. Breathe mm. our air and walk our sod. Enter our mess is exactly what is evoked from that song, and I just love it. Yeah, that's so good. You know, all of this... All of these memories are reminding me of the one thing that I experience in Advent, which is that something is missing. I am desperately longing for more. I am not satisfied. I'm not content. And I think the the struggle for me with some of the Santa Baby kind of Christmas songs is that the the mental image I get from most of those is something around a crowded mall. And that does not meet the longing of my heart. A lot of the trappings of the Christmas season often feel distracting to me. We're going to talk in a different episode about Christmas traditions, and I love Christmas traditions. But I am with you. A lot of the things around typical Christmas music feel trite when I want to participate in something deep and profound. Yeah. You know, you said shopping malls is what you picture. I picture glossy and put together Christmas events, right? Like all of the different Christmas movies portray and we referenced this person on our last podcast, but kind of the Martha Stewart, Joanna Gaines, kind of perfection in decoration and perfection in holiday moments with all of your extended family and everybody's happy. And that's what these songs are supposed to represent. And I don't know about you, 
my family doesn't fit that mold. My house doesn't fit that mold. And I need much more songs about entering our mess, both literally and figuratively, because that's where I live. That's where my reality is. It doesn't match the Bing Crosby perfect conception of Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, I mean, I think this is, as I was thinking about O Come O Come Emmanuel, one of the things that I notice about that song, which I also happen to love, is that it's, and I hope I'm getting this right, you know a lot more about music than I do, I am not the most musical person in the world, but I think it's in a minor key. I would have to look it up, I don't actually know. I, I think it's it's got that sort of vibe yeah. to it. For sure. And I, I think that that is significant. I think that that style of music or that, if that's a minor key, if it's not, somebody please correct me. <laughs> but there's something darkly hopeful, anticipatory, solemn. You, you can't imagine dressing up in green and red and singing that. You Im- right. You imagine... A dark room with a candle singing that, right? Yes. And it's much more, it can grow up and out of you. It can be expressed from the depths of you. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, we're desperate for you. Yeah. Well, and you can't possibly imagine singing that with a used car salesman smile. The no. Like, Ching, <laughs> smile. <laughs> yeah, that right. I think is what you were talking about, about some of the like, Santa baby kind of stuff that like does have that used car salesman smile to it, right? Right. And I would like to pause and ask a very direct question to you. Did I miscommunicate what a podcast was supposed to be? Because based on a few episodes we've recorded now, you envision that this is some sort of audition for your musical (laughs) career? (laughs) No, I think you're just, you are getting a view into how much music is going on in my brain all of the time, despite the fact that I say I'm not a hugely musical person. Uh, I probably live in a musical and just haven't admitted it to anybody. Okay, so I also live in a musical and everybody around me knows it. And I do the same thing. I actually just kind of blurt out things. Everything somebody says reminds me of a song lyric. But oddly enough, I had the reverse experience this weekend at church. We sang King of Kings by Hillsong. Mm -hmm. And that is just a theologically rich and amazing song. And the whole time I was listening to it, the only thing I could think was, Carl Bart would love this song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Did you sing a King of Kings song when you were in like Christian school? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's the song that I'm now thinking of. Uh, well, we got to keep with the theme and you have to sing it for our listeners right. because. All right. How, how, let's see if I can get it right. Is it uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords? It's glory. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yep. That one. <laughs> yep. That you got is it. What? Yep. That is what I was thinking of, which is also in that, like, what I am calling probably completely inaccurately a minor key. 
<laughs> well, I think if nothing else, this illustrates come, Lord Jesus, please enter our mess. <laughs> there is a mess here. So, Advent is a time looking forward to Christmas Day, stretching, generally speaking, from right after Thanksgiving to Christmas Day, right? Yeah. And there's all sorts of aids that we can access, candles and books and whatever, and I would love to talk about all of that. But what does it mean to set aside a month of your year to say, come Lord Jesus? What does that actually look like? I would love to tell you what it looks like. I don't feel like I get that experience at Advent. I feel like I give a passing nod to Advent. I feel like I want more out of Advent. And then I am shuffled along from thing to thing. We are busy. We are shopping. We're going to all sorts of holiday parties. We're watching the kids do their school performances that not even they want to be at. And all of these things just keep happening. And before you know it, it's Christmas Day and everybody unwrapped their stuff that we spent all night wrapping. There's not a sense of waiting. There's not a sense of anticipation. There's not a sense of expectancy like I want there to be, like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel seems to evoke and promise. Yeah, I think what interests me the most about what the Come, Lord Jesus, Come, Emmanuel theme is that I think somehow it makes me wonder if I can meet Jesus in the midst of the busyness and the chaos. You know, the those first shepherds, they were doing their job, herding sheep, which is both a very busy thing to do and a very not busy thing to do. You could make that argument either way, mm. but they're just doing their thing. Mary's just going about her normal thing and the angel shows up for the Annunciation. I, I think your offering of the Advent theme, come Lord Jesus into this mess, hits where I'm at in the weeks leading up to Christmas so well because of all those things that you mentioned. I have, you know, we have a major Christmas production and a Christmas party and flights to catch. I mean, as is going to be the tradition as long as I'm here in Missouri, probably, Christmas Eve, I'll be on a plane. Uh, last year, my Christmas Day meal was Burger King uh, <laughs> because I was flying on Christmas Day. I just wonder what it could be like how could I invite Jesus into that mess? Yeah. Your story reminds me of my own story, and that is when Shelley and I were pregnant with our oldest, clarifying she was pregnant, we were expecting. We took the whole week of Thanksgiving to rearrange our apartment and to put a nursery together. We like built the crib and we built the rocker and we built the changing table and all the things you think you need, but you really don't. And mm -hmm. we put it all together. You know, we had all this wallpaper that we we're going to put up and just, you know, we did all the things, but it got to a point late on Thanksgiving day where we went, Oh shoot. We didn't actually start anything to cook a meal and we're living in Missouri. All of our families on the West coast, we don't have a get together to do, but we couldn't even do our own Thanksgiving that day. So we went to try to go out to eat. And, you know, small town Missouri, nobody's open on Thanksgiving except yeah. 
Burger King. So we had, just like you said, we had uh, Burger King as our Thanksgiving meal at like 10 o'clock at night because we'd put this nursery together. And it's actually one of our favorite memories, but it's just not quite the picture-perfect holiday moment. Which is consistent with Mary and Joseph's experience, right? Oh, dang. I didn't even think of that. That's true. You know, they they were not having a picture-perfect anything. That's where I, like, I'm wondering if there were a spiritual personality test, one of the spectrums that it would measure you on would be the spectrum of do you engage God most by retreating or do you engage God most by engaging? If I want to connect with God, I step back from the world and make space for God privately, one-on-one, me and him, light a candle in the dark, make everybody go away. I wonder if this Advent, if there was a way I could step forward in engagement as a way of praying, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus into this moment when I am running a church service. Come Lord Jesus into this moment when I am sitting with my kids' choir production thing. Come Lord Jesus when I'm on the plane. Like, what does it mean to engage rather than to retreat as an Advent discipline, if that makes sense? That's such a fascinating question. I am also adding to that in my own mind something that you often bring to these moments, which is how do we do that in the context of others? How do Mm -hmm. we invite God's presence as we minister to others, as we worship with others, as we anticipate with others? How can we do this corporately is an extension of your question. You know, this reminds me of Jesus' command to be salt. We, the people of God, are sprinkled throughout the culture. You know, the first idea that comes to mind is just to invite each other, our listeners, whoever, to post pictures of whatever we're doing just with the simple kind of phrase, come Lord Jesus, as the thing that we type about it. You know, as a prayer, here's me in the line. Come, Lord Jesus. Here's me at the service, at the kids' thing, in the parking lot, driving in the snow, whatever it is. Yeah. It weakens it or or diminishes it, I think. But what I really want to say is like a, this is like the hashtag come Lord Jesus kind of advent. Is the f- yeah. first idea that comes to my mind. I think that would be a great way, so long as there is some sense of prayerfulness at the outset, and then you capture it with the hashtag. Mm. It reminds me, I know we need to have an episode in the future where we invite our daughters to tell us about social media. But have you heard of the social media app Be Real? Only very briefly, my son briefly introduced me to it via two sentences in a recent conversation as a result of our recent episode about social media. Yeah, I find the whole 
thing fascinating. Basically, you download the app and it will go off. It will send a push notification at random times. You can't predict when it's going to happen. And once it goes off, you have two minutes to post your B-reel. And you take two pictures, one a selfie and two the other face of the camera. So it shows you what you look like in that moment and what your environment looks like in that moment. And that's it. You just post your B-reel like you didn't you didn't cultivate the, the picture. You didn't do anything. It's just a, a snapshot of your life taken at random. And I think that's somewhat of what you're calling for is just this snapshot of time and in this, come Lord, come into this, come into this moment. Yeah. And inviting inviting us all to be praying that prayer together. It would help me pray that prayer more often if I saw somebody else post about it. Because every post would be a reminder, hey, wow, that's a simple moment, but that person is inviting Jesus into it. Man, that's a messy moment, but you know, that's a moment that Jesus is being invited into. Jesus is being invited into the shopping mall. Jesus is being invited into Home Depot. Jesus is being invited into the family moment. Jesus is being invited into all sorts of things because yeah. this is our mess. I would enjoy seeing those. I think it would help me as well to pray that prayer. It reminds me of some of the tips that are sometimes given about meditation. And when you're trying to quiet yourself before God and your mind starts to wander or your emotions start to creep up or something distracts you in some way, one of the things that you just need to do in that moment is say, notice that, and then move on. And I think what, in a similar way, we're just praying this very short prayer, come Lord Jesus, inviting God into that moment and then moving on. Yeah. That sounds like a great way to spend Advent. That sounds a lot better to me than a lot of the stuff. There we go that I found on Amazon that I was like, really, we have packaged this as an Advent thing? Come on, we didn't really, did we? Hmm. Um, you know, and I will say there's a lot of great stuff on Amazon too. For example, I also found this beautiful book that is classic paintings from throughout church history, and it gives you one painting about the Christmas story per day and a devotional that kind of connects to the painting. Mm. That's really powerful. If I didn't already have a book I was going to use this year for Advent, I would be using that. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that's just powerful stuff. And then there's uh, the book I'm actually going to use this year that is recommended by a friend of ours uh, is Scott Erickson, who's an artist, wrote a book called Honest Advent, Awakening to the Wonder of God with Us, Then, Here, and Now. And he did his own art for each day of Advent. Um, oh, wow. And he's a brilliant artist, and I'm really looking forward to using that. So there's... There's a lot of good stuff out there too. Yeah, there is. And I love that you talked about art 
you have incorporated art into your life and in even to some extent into your spiritual life in a way that I never have. I have enjoyed art museums from time to time, but that's as far as I go. I haven't ever sought out art and you have, and it's fascinating. My spiritual formation class uses art consistently in the slide presentation to, to communicate different ways that people have understood different concepts of spiritual formation or connectedness with God or worship or whatever it is. And I have been really fascinated by the art that is out there. So I, only because of that, can picture actually good art in those books rather than, I don't know, whatever the art world equivalent is of like cheesy Christian shows that, you know, have been produced over the years. So Mm. I imagine there's actually some really good stuff in there. Yeah, I'm super curious. Um, And I want to turn to our audience, and I want to invite you all to share with us. We introduced the idea on this episode, and I'm just going to go ahead and commit to it. I would love for you to share all throughout Advent using the hashtag, ComeLordJesus. Whatever you feel is appropriate to post, whatever prayer you want to offer, whatever picture you want to post, anytime you feel that you want to bless this community with a post, come Lord Jesus, we would love to follow that hashtag. We'd love to invite you to follow that hashtag. You can find us on the phone with Josh on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love for you to follow us. We'd love for you to follow our posts. And if this or any other podcast episode has struck something in you and you'd like to use it as a springboard for a conversation with somebody else, please share this episode, share our podcast. We would love to help you engage in a conversation with somebody else about what Advent can mean in your life. That would be just amazing. Yeah, that's so good. You know, we've talked a lot about Advent, but what other thoughts do you have? So... This is so fascinating. So the oldest piece of manuscript evidence of the Bible that exists in the world is a tiny little piece of silver that was rolled up to the size of like a little amulet, something that you could probably even wear as a necklace or put on a necklace rather as the the thing that dangles off of it. So a small little amulet, and when you unroll it, It has the Aaronic blessing from Numbers 6 written in Paleo-Hebrew, just those two or three verses. And it, like I said, dates from 650 BC, the oldest piece of manuscript evidence that they have been able to find thus far. Super Hmm. amazing that that exists. But what I'm fascinated by is the other day, we're driving in the car, my daughter is driving, and she is streaming Spotify through the Bluetooth onto the car speakers. And she is playing worship music. And what comes on but the song, The Blessing. And The Blessing Mm. is just a modern setting of the Aaronic Blessing from number six. And I don't know when it was recorded or where, but it was recorded somewhere, I assume, in the United States. And then transmitted over electronic media, downloaded to her Spotify, streamed over Bluetooth into my car, 
driving in the middle of Oregon in the United States, mm. 2,600 years after it was written on that piece of silver in a completely different language, completely different land that knew nothing of technology, nothing of cars, nothing of any of this. It is fascinating that those words have been echoing across our planet for 2,600 years. It's just crazy. So had to share my fascination. But what about you? What have you been thinking about? You know, thinking about may not be the right exact word, but uh, I encountered something this week that I found fascinating and wanted to share with you. I thought you'd get a kick out of it or appreciate it. Have you heard of poor Bishop Hooper? No. So poor Bishop Hooper is a husband and wife band of musicians, and they decided while the pan- when the pandemic started that the way they were going to get through the pandemic is that they were going to set one of the psalms to good music as professional musicians each week. And recently they had been doing this for, well, 150 weeks. Mm. And they finished just a couple of weeks ago. They have set every psalm to music. It's this sort of folksy kind of music that I happen to really love. The scoring behind it, the instrumental work behind it is not hokey. It's just beautiful. And they intentionally release it completely for free. And a part of their reference to it is that they are aware that the church has lived with the book of Psalms as the meat and potatoes of its devotional life for centuries. And that we need to make sure we continually come back to it as our prayer book. And with that in mind, they are offering these songs up as their contribution to help that happen. I'm so thrilled that you just told me about this because I have literally been thinking and dreaming about engaging with the Psalms more. I just finished a book by N.T. Wright all about the importance of engaging the Psalms and what the Psalms are what kind of worldview that they help shape and inform talking about that exactly like you said, that this has been the church's worship book forever. And the fact that I just need to engage with these Psalms more. And one of the things I wanted was a modern setting for all the Psalms, modern musical setting for all the Psalms. And you literally just gave it to me without asking. And that's just amazing. (laughs) And they are very pretty. And so I am wanting to just spend some time with these in my time of devotion, and I am excited about it and just wanted to share that. I think it's pretty cool that somebody would do this. All right. Give me the husband and wife duo name again. So the first of all, the website to get to it is everysalm.com. The name of the their band or... And band may not be the right thing. They are, they clearly understand themselves to be a ministry. And Mm. then they call themselves Poor Bishop Hooper. And so they've done this actually with the Psalms. 
They also did a full hour-long production of the Stations of the Cross that they called Golgotha. Um, Mm. So they are trying to invite the church to engage God's word in a fresh way, and they use music as their avenue for doing that. Super cool. I can't Poor wait to check Bishop them out. Hooper. Poor Bishop Hooper. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. You are very welcome. And as we continue to build a community here, part of building a community is being real about who we are, uh, which is a little piece of why we do these what, which Josh questions every week. And uh, this week's just makes me smile. It's at the age of four, which Josh poked his own eye with a stick just to find out how it felt. And my favorite thing about this is if you know both of us, you're probably confused about which one it is because it really (laughs) could go either way. (laughs) We have both attained that level of genius. Yes, I was going to say stupidity, but I've heard it both ways. (laughs) Well, I'll save you the embarrassment and I will take credit for it. Josh from Oregon. Yes, I did that. Uh, It's a family story that comes down to me. So unless they're like totally messing with me, that actually happened. But I have no memory of it. I'm told that I had to wear a patch over my eye for like two weeks or something like that. And all of this... It's just so fascinating. I can't believe a four-year-old would do this. But then again, I can. But yeah, now you know a little piece of me. Man. All right. Well, now you know. So are we on for next week? We sure are. I can't wait. All right. I'll talk to you then. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.